The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Straight cash, homie. Would you please break a damn story? He took it out. Oh, for you. It's a Wednesday PFTOT. Topics we either didn't get to or we'd like to talk about a little bit more coming out of two hours of PFT Live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio with you here. And we did the MVP draft today, the candidates as of right now. And it's going to change every week, but it was kind of fun to talk about the guys who currently should get consideration. And, of course, the one guy that didn't get picked, one of the guys, is the guy who would have been the top candidate not all that long ago, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Now he's injured. And, Chris, here's the real question. How much time can he miss without falling off of the radar screen altogether? Uh I, all right, so it's different with this guy, and this is why we can't take him out of this conversation, you know, because we know the stats and numbers he can put up in such a short period of time where he can interject himself back into this conversation. If he only misses another, let's just say another two, three games, okay, if it's something like that, I think that he will get himself back in this combo because, you know, their team is just getting healthy as of right now. And when he gets back, hopefully a Sammy Watkins will be, will be back as well. Tyree Kill has just gotten back into the fold and made his presence known to where, yeah, I think, you know, again, we've seen this team with Mahomes and the weapons around him. He can put up stats that we've never seen before in a three or four week span that can all, all just eject him to the top of the quarterback rating and, and, and touchdown passes on the season just like that. And I think we both overlooked him today because we don't know how long he's going to be right, out. Based right. on what he's already done, yes, he's one of the top six, and maybe one of us should have picked him, but he could quickly disappear because there's going to be a great candidate who played all 16 games, and those numbers are potentially going to be higher. I mean, he's going to have to come back and blow the doors off even better than he did earlier this season, I think, or at least as well as he was playing in the first few games to truly force his way back into this. And, uh, you know, it's almost like the Chiefs have to struggle without him. I was he's got to be that. gone for a short yes. period of time. Yes. And the Chiefs have to lose both games. Like, say, they lose to the Packers, lose to the Vikings. He comes back for Titans, Chargers, and just, just re-energizes the offense. Right. Yeah, and then it's like, hey, he really is the most valuable player. I, I, I think that's uh, – I do think that's a big aspect of it. I was going to go there, too. The team's going to have to show, you know, Strugglesville a little bit, uh, that the offense is certainly not the same without him. And then if he does come back after, like, the games you're mentioning – and lights the Titans, the Chargers, and the Raiders on fire, and then goes and plays New England and, you know, beats them on a big 425 stage, I think everybody will go, oh, my gosh, Patrick Mahomes, he might still be the MVP of football. Who cares that he missed three games? Uh, so we should not discount him. But the length or period of time he is out will be uh, the huge dictator in this conversation. 
All right, I agree with you there. And uh, the shorter the the shorter the duration, the more likely he gets back into it. And if they lose while he's out, even more likely. But balancing against that, let's keep this guy safe. Let's not rush him back prematurely and get him injured again and have it linger into 2020. Sam Darnold, third overall pick in the 2018 draft. The Jets traded up to get him. AFC Offensive Player of the Week against the Cowboys in Week 6. Then comes Week 7, and it's a disaster. Then comes the controversy regarding the mic'd up audio of him saying that he was seeing ghosts. Chris, look, setting aside the controversy, because I really do think the Jets' reaction to it made it a bigger deal than it needed to be. Yes. What To explain what it means to see ghosts and how you get to the point as a quarterback where you're not, is it something you're always dealing with or is it just something that you can grow out of? Do you minimize it? How, how do you get from the point where you're seeing ghosts to the point where you're not? Well, it, it, this is a, a, you know, a very rare occurrence, even for even a young quarterback. And, you know, seeing ghosts is just code word for I'm flustered and they got me seeing things that aren't real and things that are that are real. I'm not seeing them clearly. And I, that's basically what that is there. And that's what New England did to them. You know, New England figured out that hmm, in obvious passing situations when the New York Jets are in shotgun and, you know, the, the field is kind of spread. Bill Belichick, through his study, he said mm, their blitz pickups and what they do to adjust to the blitz is not up to par. And I'm going to expose this not only because Adam Gase uh, doesn't have maybe the correct plan with some of these formations and things like that. Sam Darnold doesn't know where to go with the ball either. And when he's talking about ghosts, you know, there was some times in the game where, okay, early on they bring the blitzes and he throws interceptions, right? Trying to get the ball out of his hand in a hurry to get beat the blitz. Then as the game goes on, they fake the blitzes. And yet, he was throwing the ball like, oh, man, I have pressure around me. But they had faked the blitz. There was nobody there. And that's why he throws in the ball down the field. And you're like, where is that ball going? And, you know, it's right into the defender's hands because he wasn't sure what he was seeing. So his mind was all over the place. We talk about, like, game speed slowing down, right? I bet you that game was, like, in fast forward and, like, times three the other night for Sam Darnold. He was going, oh, my gosh, am I protected? Oh, what coverage is it? Oh, gosh, I think I'm protected. Let me look one more time. Wait, what's the coverage downfield? Oh, interception. And that's basically what it means by seeing ghosts. I had it happen to me against the Baltimore Ravens in 2006, Mike, uh, with the Ray Lewis and that team. You know, they just – I got in that game, threw some interceptions. They were good and messed up some things that were things I would never mess up, like, you know, protection calls and IDing the right guy in the run game and whatever. But – because I had been flustered by their physicality, their disguises, and things like that, I messed up some things that I would never mess up uh, because I was overthinking it and, and worried about too many different things. Yeah, and I guess that that really is the corollary here. The game slows down and you stop seeing ghosts. So when you get to the point where you are in that that zone where you understand what's happening and it feels like you can master the speed of the game, you've gotten accustomed to it, that's when you stop freaking out and thinking that you see things that you don't see because that's the human reaction. That's what your brain does yes. when you feel that frustration, when you feel flustered, when you feel like you're confused by everything that's happening around you. Right. That's basically what it is. And, and again, this might not be the last time he sees ghosts because there's been great, great like NFL Hall of Famers who have gotten in the middle of their career and gone 
still through moments where they saw ghosts. I mean, you know, you talk about like Aaron Rodgers in Denver a few years ago. Remember with that great Denver defense? I bet you he was seeing ghosts in that game. The 2007 Super Bowl with Steve Spagnuolo doing all these different things for Tom Brady. There's moments and plays in that game where Brady's going to go, oh, I should have just hit that guy. Or why did I get the ball out of my hands so quickly? Well, why? Because you were confused a few times by some blitzes you never saw them bring all year in your study or Strahan had beaten people man to man and you're thinking your internal clocks off. So it is something that happens. It just happened on a big stage. And because he's young, it snowballed into something really gigantic and it just made it worse and worse. If you pay attention to any Falcons games this year, Whoa. you will see plenty of ghosts in the stands yes, uh, you because will. there's no, nobody at these games. And, you know, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had an article earlier this year that points out the difference between the announced attendance versus who's actually there. And the gap is pretty significant. And the announced attendance was plus 70,000 on Sunday for the Falcons game against the Rams. But any shot that you saw at the stadium, what? unless everybody was in the bathroom at the same time, it, it was, uh, it was, and, and look, bottom line is it's a business. You got to get people interested in your product and who's interested in the Falcons right now, Chris. And it's amazing to me that Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, isn't ready to pull the trigger on a coaching change, especially with three interim coaches on staff. Now, what he's saying and what he ultimately does if they lose to the Seahawks may be two different things. That's the power and the beauty of being the guy who can roll out of bed any given day and say, I'm making a coaching change. But he just seems like he's being a little stubborn on this because everybody seems to want him to do it. He's digging in. Well, what are you waiting for, especially when we know at the end of the year a change is going to be made? Yeah, it certainly seems uh, pretty inevitable that the change is going to be made. What he's waiting for, I don't know. I, I think the thing that I find peculiar a little bit is just this. Like, going into the 2016 season, the year the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and blew that big lead and all that, you know, I knew from very reliable people at that time that Arthur Blank wasn't exactly uh, in love with Dan Quinn and that it was going to take a playoff run and probably winning a playoff game for him to save his job. Now, because they did go to the Super Bowl, that buys you an extra year or two, certainly, and they went to the you know the uh, divisional playoff game the year after. But last year, the wheels fell off. And, of course, this year, they are totally off. Um, I don't know exactly what he's waiting for. Maybe he just thinks that there's no need to do it during the season and that he can still get accomplished what he needs to get accomplished in the offseason if he just stays the course and lets Dan Quinn finish the year. Yeah, I, I just I think that it's not going to happen. It's not in the cards this year. And, you know, at some point you got to do something to try to energize the team. And maybe he realizes that it's just, it's just not going to matter. You know, is it a talent issue? Is it a coaching issue? And maybe it's just they've they've signed the wrong guys. They've extended the wrong guys. They're stuck with Matt Ryan. We answered this question yesterday on PFTPM. If they would trade him, if they could even find a trade partner yeah. for his $20 million salary next year, the cap charge would be $42 million. $9 million more than the cap charge to keep him on the team in 2020. So well, they're stuck yes. with Matt Ryan. They're stuck with Julio Jones. They just got to find somebody who can get more out of those guys. Yeah, well, definitely get more out of them. And, you know, I think you can question how they constructed their team a little bit. You know, they've let the team kind of run the team. They've let the players dictate who gets contracts. Uh, they've been reluctant to make tough decisions, maybe to get rid of guys that 
aren't worthy of being paid the way they should be paid, and yet they've given them more money for what they did do in the past instead of what they're going to do in the future. I mean, they're Mike, they're more top-heavy than the Seattle Seahawks were when the Seahawks were going to Super Bowls and things like that. There's no depth on the team. It seems like seven or eight guys are making like over 50% of the salary cap, and that's just not going to be a way to get it done ultimately, especially when you have one or two injuries. They show themselves, and then the team falls apart. You know, we talked earlier about trades that were made yesterday, and the Quandre Diggs trade from Detroit to Seattle, it left in its wake some salty Lions players like mm-hmm. Darius Slay and Damon Harrison. Now, they don't strike me as guys who are fully on board with the program in Detroit, staying away from the offseason program. That doesn't sit well with the organization, and now they're calling out the, the you know, Slay said it's BS, and and Harrison said, wow, with a lot of exclamation points. He got a new contract. I think Slay's still waiting for something. But, uh, you know, th- this, it seems like they got a lot more work to do in Detroit to implement the Patriot way. Could you imagine any Patriots player ever saying boo publicly or even for that matter privately about a trade decision made by Bill Belichick? No, I mean, that, that definitely would not happen. Uh, but, you know, the Lions are not the Patriots and Patricia's not Bill Belichick, at least yet. Uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, it's going to rub players the wrong way in a locker room sometimes. When a guy like Diggs, who's been around the football team, been one of the better defensive players for their football team the last few years, uh, yeah, he's got relationships in that locker room. And as safety at that, safeties like a guy like Quandre Diggs are, as we talk about all the time, Mike, like the quarterbacks of the defense. They're usually the best communicators. And I'm sure he had that role on the defense in general. It's a good trade for the Seattle Seahawks. They need safety help and he'll be great that way but to your point Mike it makes me think that maybe Diggs wasn't totally in on the New England way either maybe he is a little bit vocal I don't know I'm just throwing things out there to where they just thought you know we got other guys where you know they buy into a little bit more of what we do even though they might not be quite as talented it's not that big of a drop off but they're buying into the system and the culture Uh, that's what it made me think of when when I first saw the the trade go down. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think that that this guy was determined to not fit. They got what they could. They gave up a seven along with Diggs to get a fifth-round pick back from the Seahawks. So, you know, they didn't quite give him away, but it's not like they got huge value for him, and they're just deciding this guy is not part of this future that we're trying to build, this culture we're trying to establish. And another gutsy move by Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia as they try to remake the entire culture for an organization that has been not very good for the last 60 years. All right, a team that has been very good in recent years, the Philadelphia Eagles, they won the Super Bowl just two years ago, if you didn't hear, and and got to the final eight last year. We were talking about the Eagles within the context of the weekly power rankings as a team in the middle of the pack at three and four that maybe could find their way out of the weeds. And I, I say that based upon what they did last year when we wrote them off. But, you know, Chris, this year, taking a look at the schedule, the games they have left. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, they're in the midst of a three-game road trip that started at Minnesota, lost, continued at Dallas, lost, and now goes to Buffalo, where there very well could be a loss waiting for the Eagles. Although Definitely. if the Bills play like they did last Sunday, maybe they can steal it. Then, homestand against the Bears, 
Patriots and Seahawks. Are you kidding me? Now, at least the Bears aren't as good as we thought they were going to be, but the Patriots and the Seahawks, that Seahawks game, by the way, Sunday Night Football Week 12, unless there's a flex there, because there's another game that we were talking about earlier this week that uh, was fascinating for that spot. I think it's a 49ers game. Maybe 49ers Saints Week 12. It's 49ers somebody Week 12. Um, but, 49ers, uh, but anyway, Packers, 49ers, Packers, 49ers, Packers. There you go. Yep. So, um, you know, there's some weak spots there, but by the time they get to the weak spots, it could be over. Yes. It could be done for the Eagles because if they, you know, they lose to Buffalo, if they don't beat the bears, they go into the bye. They still have two losses potentially waiting for them at home from the Patriots and the Seahawks. Yeah. By the time you get to the dolphins, the giants, Washington, the Cowboys and the giants to end the season, it may not matter. And uh, this could be an Eagles team that I had picked to go to the Super Bowl that Me is in too. the process of falling apart. Me too, Mike. I had him going to the Super Bowl too, but it's it's been a lot of injuries. Malik Jackson, Timmy Jernigan's hurt right now. We've talked about Ronald Darby, Avante Maddox being banged up. I mean, Deshaun Jackson on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Jason Peters, you know, banged up dealing with injuries there. You know, they lost Dallas Goddard for a little, you know, a little time, a week or so. Um, that's where I worry about them. They are, like you've always said, the ultimate backs against the wall type of football team, but yeah, they're going up to Buffalo is dangerous this week. You know, you mentioned it. Buffalo didn't play well last week and won. They're going to be like a little more focused in. Those are teams that I always look at to go, that's dangerous. When the team doesn't play well and they won, that means like there's not going to be the pressure in the building, but there's going to be a lot of attention to decal because they know and they're not going to be happy with the way they played last week. So that's that's scary. The Bears the week after, scary. I mean, we, we the, the Bears defense is good. The Eagles offense is average. The Eagles defense is not good. Even the crappy Bears offense might be able to move the ball a little on the Eagles right now. So you look at that, and then bye week, Patriots, Seahawks, like you said, they might be in trouble uh, or done before they ever get healthy. And, and the more it goes, the more I think they are in trouble and they're not going to be able to rebound this year. And it really is amazing to me. I conditioned my faith in the Eagles as a Super Bowl team on the ability of Carson Wentz to stay healthy. Yeah. And he has. Yes. The problem is everyone around him has fallen apart. Right. Yeah, they've and, all fallen you know, apart. Makes it hard. And I almost made this it, it, my grievance today too, Mike, with like because people I have had people ask me, like, what's you know, what what's wrong with Carson Wentz or what's he doing? I want to be like, what? I mean, Carson Wentz is the only guy, only thing going for Philadelphia right now. It's it's not what's wrong with Carson Wentz. It's what the hell's wrong with everybody else. They need to help him. I mean, gosh, I've never – quarterback getting crushed. You saw some of the hits he took the other night. I mean, he took some big hits. When they make a play, it's not because of the system. It's usually Carson Wentz making something happen over his, just with his physical ability. So, uh, yeah, they have a lot of issues across the board right now. Well, they have a lot to figure out, and we've got a lot to figure out because even though we think we've got the a good feel for where everyone is, it's subject to change no. any given week. Week 8 begins Thursday night with Minnesota and Washington. And, Chris, tomorrow we've got PFT Live. We've got the mega PFTPM and unbuttoned podcast with all the picks, picks against the spread. Do I have to wear the Cousins jersey for both PFT Live and the podcast i think you should why, why wouldn't you i think you should be a fan of your team be a fan of your quarterback you know you're supposed to like the quarterback of your team you should do that you should try hey, it 
Now, I think you should be realistic about the quarterback of your team. First of all, I don't care about the Vikings like I used to, and trust me, that is the truth. And second of all, he stunk until the last three weeks, and now all of a sudden, he I don't, whatever happened, look, whatever zone he's in, he's trying hard to stay in that zone because he really has reversed a horrible stretch, and he's made it into one of the best stretches of his career. But we'll talk more about that yep. game tomorrow. I'll be wearing purple jersey with number eight on the front and the Vikings across the bottom of the neck and uh uh yeah uh, good we'll, we'll, we'll see good. how that I hope goes. he stays in Everybody the zone have a great day let's go baby new one you got a new format for your Wednesday on button yeah instead right? of going the deep dive we're calling it you know what the I'll f happened right what I'm gonna it's a little bit more of a jumping point the big plays of the game what happened and then conversate off of there I'll kind of try to teach everybody and let everybody know what I th- saw through my film study with game-changing moments during uh, some of last week's uh, week seven matchups all right Jaworski we'll check that out later today that's it Thank for you. this Wednesday edition of PFT OT we'll see you tomorrow for PFT live and for the joint PFT PM Chris Sims on button podcast everybody have a great day peace The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.